Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here today with me, my friend. So far on this season of the podcast, I've introduced you to some of my close friends who are experts in their respective fields, and they've offered advice, steps, tips, guidance, and wisdom for you, just for you as an avant-garde entrepreneur. Today, we're starting a social entrepreneur series where I'm going to introduce you to some of my very special social entrepreneur friends. Part of what makes them so special is they are founding members of the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Academy. They are avant-garde entrepreneurs in every sense. We launched in August, 2022. So we met six weeks in a row and have continued to meet each month since. These founding members have helped me to work out the kinks. They've given insightful feedback and they are my why. So when I'm creating content, they are who I'm thinking of. The first very special social entrepreneur you get to meet today is Aisha Bello from Nigeria. Nigeria is full of powerhouse women who are tackling social and economic issues and lifting people to a better way of life. And if you're from Nigeria, or you know anything about Nigeria, or you're a Nigerian man, you know what I'm talking about. There are some amazing women in Nigeria. And Aisha is certainly high up in the ranks of these leaders and advocates. Aisha holds two master's degrees, not one, but two, one in crime management and the other in criminal justice, as well as a bachelor of science in microbiology. She's the executive director of Voice of the Girl, Child, and Vulnerable People. It's an organization that advocates for the rights of women, girls, and other people who are considered to be vulnerable. In the organization, Aisha and her team focus on creating a safe and secure space where the rights of these special people can be respected and protected. And she's also co-founder of Guard Up App. This is a mobile app that bridges the gap for women and girls who are experiencing sexual-based gender violence or any other security threats. In addition to these very time and, shall I say, heart-intensive roles, Aisha is also the country director for the Global Goodwill Ambassador Association, She's the Diplomatic Ambassador of the Federation of Gender and Human Rights and the Monitoring and Evaluating Coordinator for the Federal Ministry of Human Affairs, Disaster Management, and Social Affairs. Oh, and did I mention she's also a wife and mother to three daughters? 
I have no idea how she does it. If I had one word to describe Aisha, it would be overcomer. Aisha is a problem solver. She's a fixer. She's had one obstacle after another come across her path and she overcomes them with boldness, creativity, and perseverance. She's not only in the trenches, on the ground, in the room, so to speak, actively lifting her beneficiaries, these women and girls, to a new way of life. She's also solving their most challenging systemic issues. And she's up in government circles advocating for policy change at the highest levels. She's not waiting around, complaining or blaming. She's making it happen. And the women and children who are blessed to be her beneficiaries are, well, truly blessed. And their lives are changing. Aisha is someone I trust. I see her as a peer and a friend. And I'm honored that she is here today to share a bit of her story and wisdom with you. Aisha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So Aisha, tell us a little bit about yourself, some of the color in your life. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to university? Maybe a little about your family. Thank you so much, Trisha. You know, when you're talking about me, I was like, ooh, is this me or is another person? <laughs> you know, sometimes, yeah, seriously, but, you know, sometimes when you're in this kind of uh, situation or the kind of level that you are, actually, you don't see yourself. People see you for who you are. You are only after making, creating impact, trying to bring about solution to some of these challenges. Just, just knowing what you love doing, a passion and all. But anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for introducing me. That's in detail. It's been a while, as I said, to like really go back and look at what I've achieved so far. Thank you so much for reminding me. How You're far. welcome. <laughs> yeah. You're so welcome. So, uh, I'm Aisha Bello from Nigeria. I grew up in the northern part of Nigeria, Kaduna precisely. And I um, grew up in a very, very large family, like a kind of extended family. Typical northern, you know, <laughs> northern lifestyle in Nigeria. Those days, our parents used to have like children, apart from your own biological children, you know, you get, you bring in your cousins, your relatives, you know, extended family in general. So I grew up with my uncles, aunties, grandma, cousins, and all. And that is where my story started really, because I'm able to understand how people work, the dynamics of living with people, different perspective and ideology. And I learned something from my dad, which has helped me a lot, humility and humanity. Because there's only people with such kind of focus or such kind of ideology which help humanity in general, which I feel that nowadays we're gradually losing that, though there are some other challenges that have come to play. But nevertheless, he taught me to help people around me. No matter what we're going through, we still have people that uh, need us. We need to help each other. And you know, those days, uh, there is this ideology that they come with. If I'm able to train another person's child, tomorrow if I'm not around, somebody else can actually help with my mm. own kids. So it's just a normal thing those days. And um, I'm glad I then I wasn't like, I'm this top one kid, I know. <laughs> but I'm glad that I went through all this process because it has really helped me a lot, even right now. And right now, as a mother, to train my own kids. 
So, and I went to school, my first degree is microbiology. I studied in University of Medjugorje, Colorado State. That was the first time I'm leaving, you know, my parents and all, and I started to go far. Because if you look at Kaduna to Medjugorje, coming from Northwest, which is Northeast, then there was no Boko Haram, there was no terrorism and all. So it was a very, very good place. And um, we usually call ourselves, like if you are from University of Medjugorje, the short form is Unimid, and we still bear your mid. It's not easy to be there. <laughs> so I actually wanted to study medicine, mm-hmm. but you know, due to one reason or the other, I went to microbiology and Nigerian factor. <laughs> you just apply in my, uh, medicine and you be given another course. But nevertheless, it was also a good pathway for me to more with what I want to do. I studied microbiology and um, graduated from the University of Medjugorje. After graduation, I love my normal impacting knowledge and all. So I volunteered for a lot of organizations, especially NGOs at that stage of my life. So I do a lot of advocacy for young girls, especially secondary school girls, mm-hmm. where we talk about sexual reproductive health, talked about HIV, AIDS, cancer, you know, all those things, and also a little bit of sexual and gender-based violence. So I've been into that field for a very, very long time, until when I finally decided to bring up the voice of the girl child and go to the foundation. So during the course of my experience in that field, I've come to understand, I went back to study master's too in microbiology at Amadebello University's area. But I had to stop along the line, which a lot of challenges, which is another story a bit. I just left that and kept moving with what I love doing. So, but again, something triggered me that I had to change path. And that's where you are seeing the crime and all that. Mm-hmm. Because I realized that if we really want to work around um, sexual and gender-based violence and human rights and all that, all these are crime mm-hmm. to humanity. We need to understand where this is coming from. We need to know what crime is all about. What are the causes? Because we are trying to look at what are the solutions. We're trying to bring about solutions. So I had to change course. And I started to go back to Kaduna State University to study um, a diploma in crime management. I want to understand this. I want to bring solutions to issues of human rights violations, sexual and gender based violence and all. So from there, I thought it's a good path and I proceeded to my master's in criminal justice to understand the law, the policies. And you know, not talk about criminology, you're talking about not just looking at the law, which the lawyers do, but you're also looking at the causes, the reason why people commit crime and all. So that's the reason why I started to just divert a little bit from microbiology going back to, you know, social sciences. Thank you. Aisha, I think that what you just shared I'm sure that you're going to share a lot that's very powerful, but I think that what you just shared is so important for young people to hear. So you were on a path and you were just kind of following what you loved. And then you had to change course because you realized that it wasn't just this thing that was on the surface. You realized that there were some root systemic issues and that is crime because they are crimes. And I think that that's great, incredible wisdom for young people who are at university, because I think there is sometimes this fear of, well, I'm on this path, I've invested this time, and what happens if I change? First of all, they might not even think about 
the what you did, which, okay, what is the root issue here, which is crime? But then if they do realize that, then it can be tricky to take a chance. So I think that kind of what you have shared is that all the path that you've been on, you had some turns and you got some knowledge and all of that has really led to where you are today. So you haven't strayed from what you really love, the core of what you love, which is helping young girls and women. You've just learned different ways to do it. And I think we can all rest and be open to the new things that come in our path, that it's not a change. It's just kind of tools that you're adding in your toolbox and insight and awareness that you get. It's huge. This episode is brought to you by Avant Garde Entrepreneur Foundations, where you can go from contemplation to clarity in just six weeks. How incredible does that sound? By learning to tap into the superpower of your spirit, you'll feel refreshed in your mind, certain of your mission, and inspired in your business. Go to trishabaileyphd.com forward slash A-G-E-F dash waitlist for more details. You can also find the link here in the show notes. So you realized that crime was a real issue and you started digging into that, going to school for that. What was your spark that to start Voice of the Girl, Child and Vulnerable People to actually go from helping people and being a part of others' organizations to actually starting your own? What was the thing that made you decide to do that? Okay. Well, I was just around 16, 17 as I told you earlier, we have this tradition of staying with relatives. So then I just finished my secondary school and I had an opportunity to stay with one of my relatives, who is a medical doctor. And um, you know how they are. They are always very busy, you know. Her husband is also busy. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, I stayed with them, with their kids. So there is this young girl who's also a cousin too that was also staying in that same house. And then she's just little, like around... Um, 10, 11, 12, around that age. So I just came there for holiday and um, there is this particular uncle. They usually call him uncle. So most times he stays in the house too as well. And the, he's a trusted person that those family feel, okay, anytime since I'm busy, the wife is busy, anytime we're not around, the uncle can stay back, look after the kids and all. But I noticed something between the uncle and this young girl I'm talking about that is also still in the house. And I felt he was actually, not felt, I knew he was abusing her sexually. Mm-hmm. He was more than the young girl. But she couldn't say anything. I was also young. I didn't know what to do because it's not easy for you to just wake up and say, no, this uncle, and this is somebody they trusted. So I was battling with it. Like, how do I, I didn't know what to do. And that was how I left. I went to university and but I was, you know, I was just stuck with that. And I've come to realize after a period of time, a lot of young girls go through the same scenario. Mm. That was when I said, no, at this stage of my life, we have to be the voice, the voice, that's voice of the girl child. And that's mm-hmm. where they have to stand up and speak on their behalf. They are too little, sometimes they are naive, sometimes they are scared to talk. So, but I'm looking at it in two different perspectives. Now it's not all about the abuse. Yeah, we're speaking up for the girl child, letting people know there's abuse that is going on around in our houses and all that. But at the same time, we're trying to see how we can develop the girl child mm. to build up. Typical Northern Nigeria is 
is a place that we are struggling with even girl child education. They don't believe in girl child education. They feel that the girls are, you know, just train them, groom them, or get them ready for marriage. And that is why even the issue of crime we're talking about, the issue of insecurity I'm talking about right now, it's really affecting the education system. Mm. This is something that we have been trying to fight, like the girl child education in Northern Nigeria for a very long time. And I think we're trying to make headway. But with the insecurity coming, it's something else. But anyways, that is the reason why I said it's high time we become the voice. So it's like kind mm. of coming out to be the voice of the girl child, developing them and at the same time speaking up on their behalf. Oh, that's fantastic, Aisha. It's wonderful that you took a tragedy and something that's very sadistic and you are doing something about it. And I love that. So when I met you, you've had Voice of the Girl Child for a few years. And when you and I met, it was because you were in the nonprofit space and you were considering moving to the social enterprise space. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to do that? What led you to make the shift from what is, you know, very normal. Nonprofit is very acceptable. People get it. (laughs) People understand it. Social enterprise is a little on the newer side. And while there are more and more social enterprises in Africa, it's not something that people necessarily understand globally, especially. So what was the thing that made you decide to take the leap or I don't know if it was a leap or a gradual shift from nonprofit to social enterprise. Hmm. <laughs> well, ever since I started my, I founded my foundation. My organization has a nonprofit. I'm not always the kind of person that I'm always applying for grants because I was just doing it. If you look at it, I was just doing it because I love it. Mm-hmm. I was doing what I can do with the little I have. I'm used to it, helping people around me and we move. One of the major challenges I see for nonprofit is that most times you have to start applying for grants. And this problem we're trying to solve in our society, I don't see them as problems that should wait the whole process of the grant application, going through the, the writing, the approval, that this it takes time. Grants usually have a duration, just like projects. And what I notice is that because it has a duration and has budget. Sometimes this project would have started, but the project duration and even the grant has elapsed. So you have to cut it short. Mm-hmm. And I see it's like being in between. Because if you really want to solve a problem, you have to dig from the grassroots, pull it out, and build it up. I don't mm-hmm. know if you understand what I'm saying. Yes, so most times when you, when you start pulling, you've solved the problem halfway and the grant has elapsed. You're, st- you're stuck there. And if you're not careful, the problem goes back. Mm-hmm. And it might even get worse. <laughs> it might get worse. So, and yeah. that is the reason why, for me, I feel like depending solely on grant, like kind of non profit, because grant is the only source of um, revenue for non profit. Depending on that, it's not really um, sustainable in a kind of way, except if you have a kind of grant that will keep funding for a long duration then that is fine. Mm-hmm. But for me, I felt like I want to see a problem and I want to be able to solve it without me asking people or fundraising or this. So that is why I felt social enterprise is the way to go. You're providing solution and at the same time, you have something that will fund the problem you're able to identify. 
what you said about grants, it's a huge issue for people. And a lot of times people want to know, even with social enterprise, about applying for for grants. And it's so true. I've seen so many programs that were fantastic programs and they just they just stop because the funding ran out or the time period ran out. And then you have people who were really starting to make progress and then they just get lost or left. And most of the times they're worse off than they were before. And then people, entire communities lose faith. Like what you talked about with your dad, with humanity, people lose faith in humanity. It just, so anyway, I won't talk about that much longer, but I understand what you're saying about grants. (laughs) So how are things going with this social enterprise? I think that that would be something for interesting for people to understand some of the challenges that you deal with on a daily basis as you're making the shift or have made the shift to social enterprise. Yeah, I'm still making the shift in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still learning everything because it's not easy. It comes with a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. So I won't tell people like it's easy. Just it's not as easy as you think. But because of the passion you have for what you're doing, it makes it a bit easier. And um, it's a step-by-step process. To and that is why I came to you, Trisha. If you can recall, like I want, I just need a guide. I've been into the non-profit and design, know what I want. I'm able to have a niche. I'm able to, you know, the basics. But I'm trying to, you know, move to the other part of the social work I'm doing. And that's why I came to you and all. And I've le- I learned a lot from you, kind of, and from different people that we vote for, found the, the course and all. Because was it Daniel that was talking about some mocks or shit or something like that? Was it David? David. David, David yes. Yeah, exactly. so, so I was able to get feedback from you. And um, I understood that it's not something that I need to rush into. I need to mm-hmm. take my time. And you need to do a lot of research as a social enterprise. That's one thing I need to do. You need to do a lot and a lot of research because you're trying to dive into It's like a kind of business. That you're diving into, but at the same time, you're trying to provide a solution. So you need to be careful. So for me, I'm still trying to make that change. I'm not there yet. So it's a gradual process and I learn every day. I make a lot of mistakes as well. I remember while I was trying to <laughs> to develop my app, if you can recall, to I shared with you a lot of challenges. I got to another this and I've done this way, things I've done that way, this, this, this. So, well, it's a learning phase for me. So I'm still learning. And that's encouraging for all of us because social enterprise is a learning process. Business in general is a learning process. And I think we make way more mistakes than we have successes. But thankfully, the successes usually override (laughs) eventually. And it's definitely a process. How incredible is Aisha Bello? Don't you just love learning from her? She has so much to share and we got into some deeper issues than I had envisioned. Should have known that with Aisha, but I didn't. (laughs) Such a wonderful surprise that um, she's so open to talking about truth and truth that matters for all of us. So we're going to push pause on the interview with Aisha and we'll pick back up in the next episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.